Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. May God bless the reading of his word. Now let's turn our time over to Pastor Jeff as he preaches on faith that pleases God. What do you hope for? What do you hope is it for? A job interview is it to turn a into a job, job interview to turn into maybe it's a, a simple hope that you're just gonna you hope to just make it to the end of this week. Or perhaps it's the hope that I'm sure many of us share that this pandemic would end and end soon. Or more specifically, that the PCR tests that maybe you took or maybe your child took would be negative. So that the logistical nightmare of taking your kids out of school and then needing to care for them while you're still working won't become a reality. Hope. Hope is directed towards the the future. It's a, a positive expectation of a future state of affairs. We, we hope that the pandemic will end. We, we are hoping that we won't get COVID or we, we hope the symptoms, if we do get it, won't be too bad. Now, hope, particularly biblical hope, is more than just wishing for things, wanting certain things. Where there's hope, there's faith as well. You know, in having hope, we're holding a belief that says, I believe the future will be better. That's what's happening oftentimes when we hope for some of these things. We have faith. We may not have grounds to prove the hopeful assumption, but nonetheless, we have faith in it. And again, it's, it's not a faith that is blind or baseless. It, it, the faith undergirds, the, it does undergird whatever hope we have. And, and having that faith in that hope lends itself to living differently then in light of that hope. Our passage this morning begins with talking about this faith and this hope. We've arrived at Hebrews chapter 11, which is this somewhat famous chapter that is sometimes called the Hall of Faith. Kind of like the Hall of Fame, uh, but the Hall of Faith. Because we're going to see this week and next week that the author of Hebrews devotes this entire chapter to people in the Old Testament, counting back different stories of them, examples from them who were commended by God for their faith. They served as examples for the original readers of Hebrew as, as this author is writing to them and, and they're facing what they're facing. And they serve as examples for us today. 
That's what the author intends to do as he presents all these different names, some of whom we will know and are familiar with and some who we may not be so much. And we had just finished a chapter, uh, a a passage last week about holding fast, right? About enduring and having faith. And there's this call to demonstrate uh, their faith through perseverance. Now remember that the readers of Hebrews are, they're in danger of giving up their faith, losing sight of this beautiful truth that Jesus is better. They're facing hardship and persecution for what they believe. And again and again and again, the author of Hebrews continues to point them and us back to Jesus. Because that's what it's all about. To Jesus as this better redeemer with a better redemption. To remind them of the gospel. To remind them of Jesus as, he paints a, a picture of Jesus as the high priest, right? And as we turn a page, turn a corner to start wrapping up this book, we, we're starting to move now towards this third a part of the sermon series, therefore, right? What difference does it make, right? If what the scriptures say about Jesus is true, what now? We're given this beautiful picture of faith in chapter 11. And so turn with me there. You know, we're going to start in just these first three verses. Let me read that uh, for us again. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. But by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So right from the start, there's this implicit question that's being asked or being answered. What is faith? What is faith? We're we're given this very concise and succinct definition, but there's a lot actually to unpack here. And what's interesting is that depending on your translation that you might be using right now, you might notice a different wording. Now, in the ESV translation that we read, as well as maybe some other translations you might be familiar with, like the the NIV, the New International Version, or the the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, this this is how it reads, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, many of you know that the Bible wasn't written in English. Now, the New Testament, including Hebrews, was, was written in Greek. And we also know, many of us who speak multiple languages or that, you know, or have, ex- have experience with that, that, there's no perfect translation, right? If you're trying to translate one word into another word in another language, it's probably several choices to choose from. And your choice may be affected by the the context, the meaning, how the word tends to be used or how the word might be understood or perceived and and so many other things. And so in these first few verses, there's uh, two Greek words that I want to highlight, hypostasis and elenkos. Now, these are the Greek words that get translated as assurance and conviction in the ESV, the English Standard Version translation that we're using. And so, again, it it would read something like this with the Greek. Now, faith is the hypostasis of things hoped for, the elenkos of things not seen. So, one way to read it, and and this is how our translation, the the scholars and biblical authors, uh, the the biblical scholars who, who worked on this translated, chose this 
translation, right? Did they take it to read it as assurance and conviction? And so if we're going to understand it that way, we can unpack it a little bit, right? So this is what it means that faith is, is kind of like the title deed of the house, right? The title deed is not the house itself. It's not the promise or the hope necessarily itself, but, but it assures you that the house belongs to you. You might not actually be close enough to see the house. You might, maybe you're in another state when you're closing. Um, you bought the house uh, elsewhere, but, but you have this assurance that the house is real, that it is yours. And in this sense, faith is this assurance of that which we hope for. It is an assurance that what we hope for is true. It is real. We will receive it. It is a conviction of things unseen. Right? That's what faith is. Faith relates to things that we cannot see with our eyes. The, the author uses this example of the creation of the universe in verse 3. By, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And we are not there at the beginning of time, at the creation of the cosmos. We're not there to see God create the world by his very word. Right? That's Genesis 1. This was him being able to speak things literally into existence by his powerful word. Let there be light. And there was light. Faith in this sense is a conviction that it is true. It's this internal feeling, this mindset. But let's be clear here that even if faith is understood to be a feeling here, it's not a baseless feeling, right? Because sometimes that's how we think about faith, or that's what maybe people around us tell us about faith, right? That faith is literally the antithesis to reason, to thought, to logic, that faith is blind. But I would venture, I guess, that many of us who believe in Jesus, who follow Jesus, would not think of ourselves as irrational beings, as illogical beings, as people who have not given any of this any kind of thought. But sometimes that's how it's pictured, right? You take a leap of faith. And a leap of faith meaning that you, there's this picture of you, you know, on a mountain taking a step into a fog and you're not actually sure where your feet will land. It's a gamble. Now, even if we were to take a positive take on faith, you know, we'll say something like this. Maybe we see this in the movies. And, you know, we just got to have faith. And they're like, how can you believe that, you know, that it will actually happen? Well, I just, I just believe. Then it becomes a, a little bit circular, right? Our answer is having faith in faith. And what that really means, you know, you just got to have faith is you got, you got to act contrary to all that you know to be true and trust and trust that things are going to wake, work out the way you want them to, even when everything else says otherwise. Maybe a little bit like the lyrics to that song, I Believe I Can Fly. Right? If I can see it, then I can do it. If I just believe it, there's nothing to it. I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky, and so on and so forth. That's not biblical faith, though, right? We're not going to fly. We're going to fall. And we're going to look stupid doing so. The hope that Hebrews is talking about here is the, the promises of God. The promise of a Messiah, of redemption, of, of his future kingdom. But our faith is assurance of things hoped for. Not because of the promises themselves, but because of the one who makes those promises. 
You see, what, what makes faith so powerful and legit is not how much faith we have, as if, you know, you put more into this equation, you get more output. But what you, it's, it's the object of our faith, what, where we're putting our faith in. For example, when, when Yin and I, we, we took a trip to the Maldives on vacation many, many years ago, and we had to take this 30-minute plane ride from the main island to the actual island where we were staying. And our plane was this small seaplane, enough just to hold a couple passengers, a few bags of luggage, land on the water, and you know go up to the island. Enough for us just to make the trip from one island to another. And we had faith that that plane could, could do that, could fulfill its job. Now, now, what if I wanted to take that small seaplane and fly back to Boston with it? How far would I get? Not far at all. It wouldn't matter how much faith I have in that plane. Wouldn't have mattered. I'd probably run out of gas. My faith is in the wrong object. Now, conversely, every time you know, we take a flight, we get on maybe something bigger, like a Boeing 747 or, or an Airbus. It, it, it's a bigger plane. It's capable of taking us where we need to go. Now, maybe there's some first-time flyers among some of you, and there's, you might remember that, that feeling of being nervous, right? Maybe you, you muster off it, up enough courage and faith to get on that plane. But what matters is that the faith is in this 747, not in the seaplane, but it's in the right object. So ultimately, our faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, not simply because of that, that promise, whatever that promise is, as if, uh, but because of the promise-keeping God. It's this internal feeling, this mindset of assurance, confidence, conviction. Now, this, all of this, is one way to read this first verse. But like I said earlier, right, that the, the Greek says, faith is the hypostasis of things hoped for, the elenkos of things not seen. And so there's another way to, to understand it. So in, in some other translations, like the New Living Translation, uh, the NLT or the, or the King James Version, right, we read something like, Faith is the substance or the reality of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so that's actually kind of different, right? Instead of assurance and conviction, we get substance and evidence. Now, what does that mean, right? I think it goes a little bit further and deeper than just a mere internal feeling. Uh, faith, in, in this sense, is, is almost laying hold of God's promises. Now, let's be clear. It doesn't create what we hope for as if to say, like, you know, I just got to believe that I'm going to win the lottery, and then I'm going to win the lottery. It's not how it works. This is not, and this is not a, a mind game where if I, I can just trick my mind, then I can make myself feel like I'm experiencing the very thing I'm hoping for, right? This is not a, a mind over body kind of scenario where, you know, I, I feel cold, I am sick, I have a runny nose, but as long as I, you know, don't think of it, then it's fine. But I think faith is the substance of things. Hope for means for us to get a taste of the hope, the taste of the hope that we have in Jesus. So let's see how this might work. You know, and I'm borrowing some of this from, from Tim Mackey from the Bible Project. He, he gives kind of like this analogy that I'm adapting. 
Now, think of a New England winter. What do you think of? Snowstorms, maybe. Maybe you think of the shorter days where it gets dark really early because of daylight savings. Now, I remember coming out of a three-hour class at Gordon-Conwell, oftentimes just to drive home. And I come out and step out and it's just completely dark and depressing at 5 p.m., not even dinner time. What else comes to mind, right? Maybe, maybe the cold temperatures, right? I think what's interesting about these cold temperatures is that 50 degrees, at least in New England, in the fall feels very different sometimes than 50 degrees come February or March. Are you one of those people that breaks out the shorts and the t-shirts when it's 50 degrees out uh, around February or March? It's sunny. The snow's still there. Maybe it's melting. You can see the, the sun uh, reflecting off of the white of the snow. Now, some people might call you crazy, and your older family members will probably scold you for wearing too little in the cold, but you do it anyways. Even though there, there may still be snow around, even though we know that New England weather is New England weather. So we may, we probably will get more snow later on in March, even April. But in spite of that, we embrace these 50-degree days. What are we doing when we break out those shorts and t-shirts? Tim Mackey kind of puts it this way, that we're getting a little taste to experience by faith that the thing that we will fully experience once summer comes. And you get scolded for wearing too little. You get, what do you point to then? The sun shining outside, the snow melting, the grass that is peeking through the, the snow. So there's these two ways to translate the verse. And I think both kind of hit out different nuances of what faith is. I tend to like the latter, but even with both translations, I think it does lead to the second half of this passage, right? That faith is more than just a feeling, more than just simply a mindset. But what we see here in this whole chapter of chapter 11, it's this experience that leads to action. It leads to obeying, persevering, following Jesus in a way that others would perceive as making no sense in light of your present surroundings but it makes perfect sense in light of the future. It makes no sense in light of their present circumstances. Right? We think of Abraham who was called to, to go out from his homeland. We, we think of Noah who built an ark and people call him crazy. Right? For the Hebrew readers, this is so relevant for them who are enduring hardship for their faith. Right? Just recant. Just give up. Why are you still believing? It would be easier. It's almost logical, more logical, quote unquote, for you to just stop the suffering. All you have to do is just stop believing. You see, their act of faith might end up leading them to get killed or tortured or endure more suffering, but their focus, their eye was on the fact that summer was coming. And for them, as well as for us, we can point to Jesus, his death, his resurrection as the evidence that God's promises, his future promises, future hope would be true. Then they, these readers, they act in, in such a way that they participate in the substance and reality of what will come in the future. New life, new creation, God's kingdom. 
And the author gives these examples of these people of old, verse 2, who, who had faith, who received their commendation, approval from God. And so I, I like how one commentary put it. This author writes, uh, summarizes it this way, that the life of faith is the only life that pleases God. We get a string of by faith statements for the rest of chapter 11. We see that this faith is something that they live out in light of the hope they have. Verses 4 to 7. Now, by, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And uh, through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Passage goes on with another example. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in, uh, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So, the first thing that we're going to see in these next set of verses is this, that, that there's no commendation without faith. Right? The first example of faith that we read about is Abel. It's pointing back to the Genesis account where Abel, he and his brother, they are offering sacrifices to God. And if we were to go back, we would be reminded that Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain was a worker of the ground. And so Abel, for him, he brings the firstborn of his flock to God as a sacrifice. And Cain brings an offering of the fruit of the ground. And it says that the Lord showed favor for Abel's offering, but not for Cain's. So Cain is angry and we find out that he ends up killing his brother Abel. Our text in Hebrew says that Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. We don't know if there was anything specific about the sacrifices that made one more acceptable than the other. You know, maybe Abel gave the best part of his flock and Cain just gave whatever he had on hand. Or maybe it had more to do with Abel gave something that was that had blood associated with it. And Cain just gave some fruits and some vegetables. Or perhaps it was something else, right? But what we can say for certain, as this passage is kind of drawing out for us, is that what mattered was faith, was the heart, was the inside, the intention. Abel had faith and he was commended as righteous. And it should remind us of what we just talked about last week in the end of chapter 10, where it's, he says that the righteous one shall live by faith. Then we're given this example of, of Enoch now. 
There's not much actually that is, is uh, written about him in the Bible, not much mentioned about him. He appears right smack dab in the, the middle of this genealogy in Genesis. But even in these few verses, there's this connection between faith and pleasing God. Commendation is, is mentioned like four times in our passage. So it seems to be an important theme that the life of faith is the only life that pleases God. And the author of Hebrews writes in verse 6 that without faith, it, it's impossible to please him. Faith in this sense means to believe that he exists. Not that uh, simply that he exists for you, but that he exists. Now, it's not just that from this verse. There's also the belief that he rewards those who seek him. And that is, it's a statement on how you view God, right? Is he trustworthy? Will he actually deliver on what he promised? Is that hope that we have solid or not? Because you can believe that God exists without believing he is trustworthy. You can believe that God exists without believing that he is good. You can believe that God exists without believing that he is going to keep his promises. And so to have faith, you need both. The belief that God exists and the belief that God is trustworthy and good, that he will reward those who please him. The second thing that we see as we wrap up this passage is this, that there's no condemnation with faith. We're given this another example. This time it's Noah. By faith, Noah constructs an ark. He becomes an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Again, this idea of righteousness and faith. Going back to the end of verse, uh, chapter 10. And Noah's faith, what we see, it leads him to active obedience. In fact, all of them. It's, it's a life of faith. It's not something that we're cognitively believing, but it's something that leads them to live that out in light of the hope. What we see with all these examples of faith is that it's a life of faith. They live in light of the hope that they have. So, so what does this mean for us today? We, again, are encouraged to persevere, to continue to believe. A, a faith that, like these examples of faith that came before us, lead us to action which, to be honest, may, may, not, may not make a lot of sense in our current circumstances, but makes perfect sense in light of our future hope. A hope that we can taste and experience, the, experience partially even now because of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we give thanks for this gift of faith. We give thanks for Jesus Christ, uh, for what you have accomplished on the cross. We give thanks for the hope, the eternal hope that we have in you. And so we ask, Father God, that you would give us more of your grace and mercy and sustain us in believing, uh, in looking towards that future hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.